1: Log Talk Radio.
0: Oh, oh! comes but once a year. Each tick of the clock, the time draws near when there'll be hope for every team in the, the National Football League. Kuiper and boxball pay the way, predicting the names Kamish would say. Drastic's watching every day. Who are the drafts, where from mobile to indeed play seven rounds of fun. Whether it's or Irrelevant or number one, it's countdown Welcome to the DC Podcast, brought to you by DraftCountdown.com. I'm Scott Wright. In this episode, I'm going to be reviewing the Green Bay Packers' performance in the 2016 NFL Draft with my longtime friend and. and Noted Packers fan Paul Gilmet, who is also uh, the the chief uh, editor, or the editor and chief scout for the Great Blue North Draft Report at GBNReport.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Pigskin Paul. Uh, Pigskin Paul, welcome back to the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Scott. It's good to be with you. We haven't seen you down in Mobile for a couple of years, so I miss you, man.
0: Well, let's talk to Packers. That's why we have to touch catch up here. And, and I, when I was trying to think of who I wanted to talk to about the Packers draft class, you were obviously the first one that came to mind. You are
1: from well, thank Wisconsin.
0: You, you live there for a long time, and, uh, and you have a good read on that organization. So let's jump right into it, and we'll start with their top pick. And, uh, you know, just overall, I think the Packers kind of went by the book to a certain degree this year, at least uh, relatively in their terms, because, we thought they were going to address that defensive front seven early and often. And that's exactly what they did. And, and maybe some of the players they chose might've been a little bit of a surprise, but overall, I think they executed the type of plan we envisioned and that started with their first pick where I think most mock drafts probably had the Packers looking at a defensive tackle at the end of round one. It was just a matter of which one were they going to prefer. I think it just made, it made perfect sense. That's where there was going to be value on the board. There are going to be plenty of options available and that's where they had a need. So 1 plus 1 equal 2. And they ultimately went with Kenny Clark uh, out of UCLA. And on a lot of levels, it makes a lot of sense. He was kind of right in that range. He was one of the guys who we expected to be under consideration for that spot. Uh, so, so it makes sense. And a guy who played in a 3-4 a or played in a, a, a nose tackle in college, so he's going to be a good fit for that scheme. Uh, and what were your thoughts on that pick? Because for me, I don't know if that's necessarily the – I didn't have him as the highest-rated defensive tackle on the board, but I think it's kind of splitting hairs to a certain degree, and I think it came down to beauty in the eye of the beholder, And he was one of three, four, five guys they could have considered there. What do you think made them lean towards Kenny Clark over, say, a Vernon Butler or a Jerron Reed?
1: Well, interesting that you would throw Vernon Butler's name in there because that was the guy that I was championing, championing. – Championing for them, and so when they when they when they took Clark, I went. I did a quick oh, and then I went okay, that's all right. Um, I think the biggest value here, Scott, is the fact that as a as a junior in his last season at UCLA, he really for the first time in his career he showed very strong ability to get pocket pressure up the middle he had more tackles for loss than he had had in his first two seasons combined and I think that was of appeal to the Packers and I think also the fact that if you look at his athleticism and you look at the numbers that he posted I believe the other thing that is of interest to the Packers is that more than any team in the league the last stats that I show more than any team in the league for the last two or three seasons, the Packers spend more time out on the field with only a two-man defensive line in their formation. They go, to, they go to extra DBs and linebackers very early in a lot of cases. And I think that is perhaps why Clark had more appeal than some of the other guys, because I personally think he may be, the best combination of athleticism and size and length is never an issue for Ted Thompson on the defensive line. I'm not sure why, but it never is. And other than lacking a little bit of length, I think Clark will be out on the field almost every down because he, he does show the ability which would probably translate to a two-man line to get into that backfield and wreak a little havoc and put a little pressure on the quarterback.
0: Yeah, and, you know, when I watched him during the season, I was initially a little disappointed because you saw he was putting up some pretty impressive numbers. You talked about how he really uh, upped his uh, impact plays behind the line of scrimmage as a junior, and I was a little disappointed just because I didn't necessarily, at least the games I watched, I didn't necessarily see – That type of dynamic performer, I think Kenny Clark is a really good all-around player. I think he's a solid fit for the Packers. I think he's he's a safe pick. I don't know that there's a lot of dynamic potential there, despite those numbers. Uh, It just didn't uh, create as many big plays as I maybe was expecting going in. But uh, like you say, he doesn't have the ideal length, but uh, he's very stout, excellent strength. He does a terrific job against the run and and if he can offer a little bit more as a pass rusher all the better but i think he's coming in to more than anything to to be that that run stopper for them and it, but I, I do agree that he probably has more pass rush potential than, say, Butler would have at that point or Reed would have. So definitely offers a, a different dimension than the other options on the board did. Um, but, but overall, as a player, uh, then as a Packer fan, were you happy with that pick? Uh, you mentioned you were kind of advocating yeah, for I, Butler. Yeah, I had but...
1: no problem with it at all. Um, I had him. Now, this isn't the GBN report, this is Pigskin Paul's page of the GBN report. I had Clark as the 33rd overall ranked player. So, you know, to pick them a half a dozen spots ahead of what I thought, given that Ted Thompson doesn't think what I think, um, I think they were right in the ballpark. And I think we have to factor in the semi-retirement of B.J. Raji to really upping the ante on the importance of finding an interior defensive lineman in this draft.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because it's not every year where we kind of peg what direction the Packers are going to go in the first round. There's been a lot of years where they went completely something different than expected. So it just (laughs) made so much fun for them to take a defensive tackle. Yeah, exactly. Historically, one of the most unpredictable GMs in the league is Ted Thompson. So uh, I think everyone kind of felt confident that this was the best match in terms of value and need. It was just a matter of which one were they going to prefer, and obviously it was Clark. Now let's talk about the second pick because, to me, this is my favorite pick of this Packers class and, and I think has the potential when we look back say five years from now to be one of the best value picks in the entire draft. And, uh, and that's Jason Spriggs, the the tackle from Indiana who I thought had a chance to go late in the first round uh, and, and Packers somewhat uncharacteristically, I think traded up. They traded I believe three mm-hmm. draft picks to move up to the middle of the second round to get Spriggs, which I think is kind of indicative of, of how the organization feels about him and I'm a big fan of Spriggs um he's got the prototypical length you look for he's a terrific athlete he's a four-year starter he's durable he's battle-tested is he extremely strong and overpowering and this dominant run blocker no not really but he must be doing something right because he paved the way for Tevin Coleman and and, uh and Jordan Howard to run for over 3,000 yards the past two seasons so uh, I'm just a big fan of Jason Spriggs and I really think Long-term, he's going to be the Packers' left tackle. I think Bakhtayari might kick inside to guard. And if Jason Spriggs, if they end up getting their long-term solution at left tackle in the middle of the second round, that's going to be one of the, the best value picks of this entire class.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there, Scott. And I think it is clear now looking at Ted trading up, which he has done. He's traded down. He's traded up. But in this case, he obviously traded up for a guy that he did not expect to still be there after he yep. filled his need on the defensive line. And I think you are correct. I think he will be given his first shot at left tackle. I tend to think a, a little bit differently. I won't digress too far, but in my mind, Scott, I'm thinking Bakhtiari may be moving to right tackle. And I think Balaga may be the guy moving inside because after this season, I don't see Ted Thompson bringing both. TJ Lang and Josh Sitton back given their age and what their price tag is going to be. So I'm with you there. I think Bakhtiari is potentially on the move. I think he'll be even more effective at right tackle. If Spriggs has to play as a rookie, I think there will be some gnashing of teeth early in the year, but given some extra time in the weight room and the conditioning work, and the, and the NFL coaching, I think he's the kind of player that if he, to, if he has to play full-time as a rookie, he will be infinitely better by the time we get to December as opposed to starting on Labor Day.
0: And I guess it was a little surprising to see the Packers take an offensive lineman that early, especially trade up for one, but I think this is kind of a case where Thompson, as you alluded to, is thinking – Two, two moves ahead where, okay, we don't necessarily have a glaring need for a blocker right this second, but we're going to a year from now, so let's get them into our system, start grooming them so we can make the seamless transition uh, rather than waiting until it's a, a, a big issue.
1: And I think also, Scott, the other thing is that
0: uh, despite
1: all the emphasis that was put on the absence of Jordy Nelson last year to explain Aaron Rodgers' quote, down season, you know, by the time we got to November, the Packers' offensive line clearly had shown, because of injuries, that they did not have much quality depth, and that really was the big downfall for Aaron Rodgers and the passing attack once we got into November and December, and. Ted almost always takes an offensive lineman. He loves those guys. Uh, My observation is that every year when we go to all-star games, be it the Shrine Game in St. Pete or the Senior Bowl in Mobile, almost every practice, the first group that Ted Thompson stands and watches at any practice is the offensive line group. And so Ted, I think, is always looking to upgrade and or add quality depth, and I think he felt that guys like Don Barkley and a few others didn't pan out last year, and he had to go out and get some more quality, which in one way, shape, or form, whether Spriggs is the depth or Spriggs is the starter, it it should improve the overall quality of their offensive line group. And let's face it, Aaron Rodgers is the franchise.
0: You have got mm-hmm.
1: to protect him, and that's what this is all about.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. You can never go wrong protecting your quarterback, especially one who is as good and as important to the organization as Aaron Rodgers is to the Packers. So, uh, one of my probably favorite picks of the entire draft, regardless of the team, regardless of the round, I think the Packers getting Spriggs there in round two, I think it was just a coup for them. Now, in round three, I think this is a really interesting pick. The Packers went and got a pass rusher, and Kyler Fackerell outside linebacker out of Utah State. And I, I always say, even if there's a lot of pass rushers available, they go so early and often, usually buy that usually by that latter part of the top 100, it's, the position's usually been picked over pretty well. So I think for as long as they waited to bring in a pass rusher, I think the Packers did pretty well for themselves with Fackrell, who's a, a really intriguing talent. Uh, it's 6'5", 240. He's got that prototypical length. He's a really good athlete. Uh, outstanding motor. Top-notch intangibles. Uh, The concerns with him, he missed the 2014 season with a knee injury, Uh, he's a little older than your average prospect, he's going to be 25 years old as a rookie, but um, this is a really good situation, I think, for both player and team, and and this is another area where, maybe not an immediate starter, but Julius Peppers doesn't have a whole lot left in the tank, you wouldn't think, Uh, Nick Perry hasn't quite lived up to his first round billing, so... Uh, I think as early as 2017, there could be an opportunity for Fackrell to come in and compete for a starting job. Even though he's going to be afforded the luxury of, at least initially as a rookie, coming in as more of a situational pass rusher and a role player, uh, I think they're going to expect much more from him sooner rather than later. And, uh, And I think we could look back a year from now and say, boy, they might be counting on him to step in and start opposite Clay Matthews. And, and if not, if they don't think he's capable of it, that's going to be a huge need for them. But they have to start thinking about the long-term future of the pass rush.
1: Yeah, yes, you do. Absolutely. I mean, Clay Matthews himself is not getting any younger, of course. you, you know. But I, I think the other thing that this might allow to happen Got, depending on depending on how the roster starts to shake out and injuries et cetera et cetera, I could see, given that Nick Perry had his best season overall last year in a green and gold uniform, if Fackrell could impress enough in training camp along with a couple of other guys, I could see Ted Thompson look at this, and he might try to squeeze a top 100 draft pick out of somebody in next year's draft and just send Nick Perry away because overall Perry has been a disappointment. He has been injury prone. He prefers, he still to this day would tell you he prefers in a quiet moment to be in a four, three scheme playing defensive end. He's just not the guy based on what he's done in green Bay so far in his career. I don't think he's the kind of guy that the Packers are going to go out and spend a lot of money competing next year when he's a free agent. So I think they could again. He could try to the, the chess player that Thompson is. He could be looking ahead here and say that if Fackrell works out for them, they might get something for him in next year's draft. And by the way, I, my comp for Kyler Fackrell, it's it's too easy. But I think if you're a fan of a team, you you kind of look for somebody to compare people to that you're familiar with and has fit into your scheme. And I'll be honest, what I see in Kyler Fackrell, you mentioned 25 years old. I'll mention he's also married and has a couple of children already. What I see here is when he's healthy, and I think he did not play at 100% last season, he was still on the mend from the knee surgery in 2014. And I think the Packers took that into account when they watched film. I think that Fackrell is a more talented athletically, but very similar in personality, et cetera, et cetera, size, to a guy that had a pretty good Packer career, considering he was a late-round pick, and that would be a guy named Brady Popinga. Mm.
0: Well, and I guess my follow-up with you on Fackrell is, do you think they're expecting too much of him? Because it sounds like we kind of agree that whether it's this year or certainly by 2017, they're kind of putting some eggs in his basket based on the way the, the roster Mm -hmm. is is put together right now. He's kind of looks like the long-term solution opposite Clay Matthews. Do you think that's a fair expectation for him? Or do you think the Packers might be in the market for another pass rusher a year from now? Or do you think that's the role they envision for him that they think he can be that
1: long-term solution? Well, both of the above. But I would say to you, sure. I think what they are anticipating. You go back and you look at this kid and look at how how highly recruited he was. The only reason he's, he was at BYU is because he's a Mormon. Um, he had many, many offers from top 25 colleges coming out of high school. And if you look at his play as a true freshman and a sophomore, uh, he, you know, he showed a lot, and I think what they're looking at, Scott, is I think they look at it and they say, um, you know, why should we not believe that he's still in the recovery process from 2014? And if you look at the 13 and 12 film, this guy has NFL starting potential. And the other thing that I think of is of interest, at least again going back to. Prior to the knee injury, in Fackrell's background, you look at his play, and not only does he have some pass rush ability, he also can stay on the field for three downs because he showed as a sophomore some very good coverage skills.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, speaking of coverage skills, in round four, the Packers had two picks, and they used the first on Blake Martinez, the inside linebacker from Stanford, and a really productive, good all-around player, and leading up to the draft, there was a lot of talk, oh, would the Packers maybe take Reggie Ragland at the end of the first round, but ultimately, Mm -hmm. that's just not their M.O. Ted Thompson has consistently shown that he doesn't feel necessary to make a huge investment in the inside linebacker position, and uh, right. I think he probably played it right. I think waiting to get Martinez in round four was probably the right move for him. Uh, just a terrific all-around player, not only playing up in the box, but also uh, can get the job done in coverage. And this is another position, Paul, where there's going to be an opportunity sooner rather than later there, potentially, for Blake Martinez to come in and compete for a starting job. Maybe not as a rookie, but certainly within the first couple of years because that's a position that's kind of been a bit of a weakness for, for Green Bay. And uh, I think getting yes, Blake Martinez where they get Value-wise, that was exactly where he was expected to come off the board. And uh, once again here, I, I think there's a legitimate chance, Paul, that we could look back a year from now and say all four of the, top, uh, the Packers' top four picks are being expected to start going into year two. And, and that's pretty pretty rare for a team mm-hmm. as good as the Packers are. I mean, it's one thing if the Cleveland Browns, you, you want your, to, all your top picks to come in and compete for starting jobs. But when you're already a contender like the Packers, to have your top four picks come in and there being a lane to a starting job for them so early in their careers, I, I think that really speaks volumes about the job they did in this class.
1: Oh yeah, exactly, Scott. That's why I think this again. This is this is probably the most most complete and looking like the most useful draft that Ted Thompson may have had. Although last bad, and I think he had some injuries. And some of those guys are going to contribute mightily as, as sophomores in the NFL. But I, I agree with you on Martinez. He kind of snuck up on me. I thought I did not realize until I took a good hard look at combine numbers. I didn't realize how athletic the kid was. I saw him mm-hmm. as a hustler, you know, a, a smart player. But I did not realize till I saw some of the numbers out of the combine that you know he was one of the top 10 all around ranked athletes at the linebacker position i think he has a definite chance to contribute as a rookie i think he has a slight chance to be a starter as a rookie and i scott my my take on it would be i you know you can't always look coming year because some of these guys have to contribute now but i would say you talk about 2017 and I think it is a very strong possibility that the two inside linebackers in the Packers 3-4 scheme are Jake Ryan from last year's draft and Taylor Martinez from this year's draft, or Blake Martinez, I should say, and that they will both be better all-around starters than, uh, you know, back when they went to a Super Bowl with A.J. Hawk and Desmond Bishop on the inside. These guys are are probably better all-around players than both of those guys.
0: And both fourth-round picks. And, and in addition to, the, yes. I think, the, the, the upgrade and coverage ability that he's going to give the Packers, I also think he can give them a, a, that dimension of rushing and blitzing up the middle and shooting those gaps. So I, I think that's going to be a valuable uh, part of his game for them as well. And then later in the fourth round, the, the Packers stuck with that theme, the defensive front seven, and they chose Dean Lauer, the defensive end from Northwestern. Uh, maybe a little early for my taste, but uh, just because I don't know if I believe in taking that type of player that early, but uh, a guy who certainly, I think being talked about as early as those middle rounds uh, and kind of that classic five technique, Paul, just a a good football player. He's not going to be a double digit sack guy every year. if that's the type of player you're looking for, you're not going to get in Dean Lowry, but that's not what the Packers are looking for. I think they wanted a big body who can, set the edge and, and, and do a good job against the run. And another common theme with all of the Packers picks, I think across the board this year, uh, is intangibles, quality intangibles, high character, good teammates, hard workers, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So kind of a, uh, I, I think it, you, you saw that clear link from pick to pick for the Packers this year, especially.
1: That combined with, I think also, a big part of this draft that was written about quite a bit up in the Green Bay Press. And you know how, Diligently, they cover the backers um, A lot of high wonderlick scores on these guys too um, And I think, I love Dean Lowry, and I think I fell In love with him two seasons ago um, When It turned out that Northwestern had A very disappointing season In 2014 But they started strong And if you remember, that was the year that they Pushed the Buckeyes Who came to Northwestern to Evanston for a game. They pushed them to the fourth quarter before they fell apart. And what I remember in that game was Dean Lowry, and I swear to you, Scott, that he spent a third of his time dropping in to pass coverage from his defensive yeah. end slot. And I think he's a lot better athlete than people give him credit for, or the general public, or the general scouting community, you're absolutely correct. And I think, to be honest with you, the only reason that he doesn't generate more pocket pressure, and I saw this in practices and in the, in the Shrine game where he was, and I was I was impressed, the guy has only 31-inch arms. And, yep. you know, Ted Thompson doesn't worry that much about length. Much to Mike Turgovac, the defensive line coach's chagrin But if Lowry The problem with Lowry is He's 100% effort He's a good athlete And he's quick off the ball His problem is because he does not have The 34 inch long arms If his initial contact And his first move The tackle He's going to be tied up for that play He's not going to get there With his second move because with those, uh, you know, pterodactyl arms, the offensive linemen tend to tie him up if they can get their hands on him. But even at that, for their scheme, and again, I'll go with this two-man line mantra that they're going to continue to use as long as Dom, as long as Dom Capers is there. Um, I think Dean Lowry is another guy who's going to come in very handy for them, just like Clark when they get to the third down and long yardage and there's only two defensive linemen. He is athletic enough to cover a little more ground than some of the guys because I'll tell you when I would watch Packer games the past few years and you had B J Rushy B J Raji, I should say Rushy, yeah right. We wish. Uh B J Raji and even Mike Pennell, who's a decent player and once he gets off suspension he'll contribute. Um, those guys don't generate a lot of pass pressure two-man defensive line. I think Clark and Lowry both have the potential to do that. I think if nothing else, and there's nothing wrong with this late in the fourth round, the Packers picked up another guy who will be a solid part of their defensive line rotation.
0: Yep, absolutely. And at the very least, you know you're getting quality depth. And he can be a good backup, a good team a team player for them. And and you were right about pointing out that underrated athleticism, too. I, I think when you see a, a, a guy who's listed as a defensive end, when, in reality, Dean Lowry probably more of a defensive tackle in a traditional 4-3 defense. But you see a defensive end, and you think, oh, he's not a great pass rusher. He must not be a great athlete. And not necessarily the case. He ran in the 4 eighths and tested pretty well athletically. Yes, uh, so,
1: yes, he did. So
0: you're right a more disruptive player than, than you'd probably expect. Uh, uh, the final two picks for the Packers uh, in the fifth round, a little bit of a surprise to me, they chose uh, Cal wide receiver and return specialist Trevor Davis. And, and value-wise, not a huge reach, maybe a little earlier than I expected to come off the board. But I, I guess if I were going to pick one choice of the Packers to take issue with or nitpick, this would probably be the one, simply because the, the extreme depth they have at the position. I mean, you can make a case that, he, he might not even crack the top five or six Packers wide receivers as a rookie. And I understand he's a talented player and over six feet tall, 200 pounds. He runs a sub-4-4. Four, four. Uh, but I think they're looking at him probably as his greatest impact for the time being, barring a huge draft of injuries is going to be on return teams. And, and that's fine. Uh, I think, absolutely think he has value in that regard. Uh, the last couple of years, he averaged tw- almost 25 yards per kick return with a couple of uh, touchdowns. So I think he can come in and contribute in that regard. But as a receiver, I think he's going to have a hard time just getting on the field. And for a fifth-round pick, I guess I would want to wait one more round for a guy who profiles as more of a pure return specialist. So nitpicking to a certain degree, there's certainly a lot of other picks for other teams that I would take far greater exception with. But if I were going to pick one to kind of nitpick, that would be the one. What were your thoughts on Davis?
1: I would, I would second that. That was probably the one when I was watching the draft the one that I just sat there and I didn't say a thing I didn't, you know, I didn't have a strong emotion. Um, I agree with you. I think his only potential role for them in the immediate future by far is as a kick returner. And Packer fans will tell you in general that that has been an area of issue. And I, I would agree with that. So, if he ends up being the sixth wide receiver on the roster, but he averages 30 yards a kickoff return with a couple of touchdowns, I think they'll be happy with that. Uh, and, uh, you know, surprisingly, Scott, I understand exactly where you're coming from when you talk about, you know, the depth that they have on the defensive line or at the wide receiver position. And yet, if you look carefully, at that list, you've got an awful lot of guys who have shown uh, splashes and flashes. But there are some, in my opinion, there are some questionable guys in their wide receiver sure. group right now, including guys like, and God help me, I love him, you know, a badger. My son actually played high school football against him, uh, Jared Aberderis. Sure. Um, I'm not convinced that he really is, you know, want to be a long-term NFL player he's he's very slight of build he's you know average athletically just he just never gives up on a route and that eventually gets him open but I, you know I don't he doesn't necessarily excite me shall we say and I think I don't want to get into trouble this early before we've even opened training camp but I guess my next question in that receiving core is Jody Nelson Thirty-one years old, coming off two consecutive season-ending injuries. Um, well, what's Jordy got left, realistically? So I don't, I don't mind if they see something in Davis that they think they can develop. Uh, either sticking him on the practice squad, that they can sneak in there, or uh, some kind of miraculous injury comes up that they can pup him or something of that nature. Um, I think it's worth it, but I'm with you. Of all the picks, he was the least exciting to me and kind of made me sit there and go, huh? I thought he was a even running a back that,
0: that, here. And even a pick that we kind of questioned, though, I mean, Davis is intriguing, because like you said, at the very least, he's going to come in and compete for that, that return job, which is an area they needed to address, and Davis is kind of an interesting prospect. He didn't get a whole lot of opportunities at Cal, but he made the most of the ones he did. He averaged almost 17 yards a catch this past season. Yeah. Um, he's elusive. He can create an open field. So, yeah, I mean, even the pick that we kind of question a little bit, there's some, there's some intrigue there with it. Um, and yeah, no,
1: let's face last, it. Ted, Ted Thompson yeah. very seldom drafts a pure right dog. Once in a right,
0: one. absolutely, and I, speak, I think it speaks to how well they, they draft that. That we have to kind of search for something to nitpick, uh, and then with their final pick, the Packers brought in some more offensive line depth when they chose uh, Kyle Murphy, the offensive tackle out of Stanford, who at one point was being talked about as maybe a top 100 type of guy. But I think as the process played out, as you took a really close look at him, and, and then also during the pre-draft process, I think it became clear that he would be more of a day three type talent, um, but. Round seven, I think that's a good pick for them. Depth guy, most likely, uh, but he's played both left tackle and right tackle. Uh, maybe could even kick inside and, and offer some uh, depth at guard as well. So as a versatile swing back up along that offensive line, the seventh round, I think Murphy was a really good pick for them and um, might have a little bit of a battle to make that team. Uh, I think there's probably – you can probably speak to his chances as a seventh round pick, what you think his chances are of actually making the squad – at least as a rookie, but, but overall, once again, a good value uh, for, for the late rounds uh, for the Packers. Uh, so a kind of common theme throughout, I think the Packers did really well throughout, but uh, uh, from pick one through one through uh, rounds, one through seven, but what are your thoughts on Murphy? Where do you think he's going to fit? I, I think more, I think uh, ultimately a versatile swing backup at both tackle and guard. If he makes the team, I,
1: I think guard is the key word here. Um, I, yeah. I I think
0: they absolutely, I
1: from my watching him, Scott, I did indeed move him down a bit from where I yeah. had him ranked before the Combine and at the postseason, so to speak. And the biggest reason was when I watched him play, I thought he struggled mightily with his foot speed in trying to right. you know, slide over, trying to pull, you name it. If he was up against, and let's face it, the NFL is sleet with – fast edge rushers i think he may eat his lunch if he gets too much playing time at even right tackle in the nfl i think the key is can he back up three or four positions and could he in a couple of years because i will still contend that i think the packers are going to have to do some big shake-up work at the guard position all on the fly because obviously They don't want to be non-contenders with Aaron Rodgers in his perhaps last contract or so with the team. Um, So I think with Murphy, it's a matter of, can he show enough at guard to be, uh, here, I'll put it this way. Murphy has a real strong chance if he can beat out Don Barkley and, with the realization that his biggest value will be inside a guard as opposed to tackle. But you're absolutely correct, at least in my opinion, Scott. For a seventh-round pick, or I'm sorry, late sixth-round pick, hey, uh, like you said, more than a few of us five months ago thought he had top 100 potential. And, again, a high-IQ guy, you know.
0: Exactly, another guy, very high intangibles. He's a good technician. He's gonna he's gonna put in the work and do the right things. I think the issue with Murphy is where does he win? Because you talk about the athleticism, he doesn't really have the great feet as a pass protector, but not overly strong or powerful or a dominant run blocker either. So I think he's gonna sell right in in profiles as a swing backup. And 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 you're right. I think that ability to also help out inside a guard it could be end up being. Uh, the key for him as to what type of pro career he's going to have because i don't know if i see uh, a starter level talent there but certainly he can have a long career as a swing backup if he can uh, show that ability to back up multiple positions Uh, we're going to pause for just we're going to pause for just a quick break here but we'll be right back to wrap up this review of the green bay packers in the 2016 nfl draft with our closing thoughts and grades All right, and we are back, and and Pixie and Paul, as we kind of talked about at the beginning of this, the the Packers did a really good job of of addressing their needs. Uh, To a certain degree, I think going into the draft, if you had made a list of their top four or five needs coming out, I think they addressed them all. And we talked about the potential starters, that defensive tackle, offensive tackle, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, and and certainly the front seven of that defense was a priority, as we expected it to be. Last year, we saw them kind of – Blood in the secondary they used their top couple of picks on Demaryius Randall and Quentin Rollins my boy one of my favorite players from that draft class uh, and this year they came back to shore up that defensive front seven and I think they did that in a big way with with especially Clark and then potentially and Martinez and then even Lowry to shore up that depth so uh, it's it pretty clear what the Packers plan was going into this draft and it seems to me they executed well and and Spriggs might be their best pick, even though that wasn't an immediate need. Uh, I think five years from now, we might say, boy, how did they get Jason Spriggs in the middle of the second round? So uh, what's kind of your overall wrap-up thoughts on this Packers draft class?
1: I think, I think you hit it, Scott. It, it's got quality from top to bottom. It has kids, by and large, that played at successful big school programs. And most of them, started a lot of football games and got a lot of accolades and they and many of them are versatile. Most of them are above average football IQ and general IQ. And I think, you know, you, as we always talk, fans get a little bit disjointed. You can't fix everything in one draft, no matter how good you are or how bad you are. So you, you take what's available to you. Oftentimes, Uh, for those of us that do the the team mocks and things of that nature, uh, what fans don't understand is the guy that they think their team should have picked quite often, he was on their list, but he was gone by the time they got to that pick. And so you don't have the luxury of filling the needs. Well, somehow I think without reaching too badly, they did that. And, Scott, let me digress really quickly, because I'm excited about two other guys that they signed as undrafted rookie free agents. And always Mm -hmm. the Packers find three or four of those guys that make the squad. The guy that I'm most excited about, and you'll probably shake your head, not that I'm wrong, but you'll probably shake your head. We just talked about how many wide receivers can you use. I love the signing of Geronimo Allison, the wide receiver from Illinois. And I'll tell you why. Little things you pick up on. You've been to the All-Star Games. He was at the Shrine game from day one. And, of course, at the Shrine game, we get to stand right on the sidelines every practice. We don't have to go up in the stands like at the Senior Bowl. And then he got promoted to the Senior Bowl, Scott, in both venues. And I've seen this before in one other player, and I'm not saying he's as good. Geronimo Allison catches a ball. You don't hear it hit his hands. And the last guy that I saw that did that at the Senior Bowl was a guy named Reggie Wayne. You never heard the ball hit his hands. I'm not saying he's going to be Reggie Wayne, but it's an attribute that tells me the kid has excellent hands, soft hands, and I think it's something that Aaron Rodgers would be excited about. And the other guy to watch that, uh, you know, the Northern Iowa has kind of become, since Kurt Horner came out and surprised everybody, it's become one of the small school factories for the NFL. And, McKinton Dorleant, i I'm a Frenchman, Yep, um, the <laughs> cornerback from Northern Iowa, I think has an Transfer excellent from Maryland. chance. Yeah, there you go. I think he's got an excellent chance to make this roster and in a couple of years be fighting for a starting job.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I'll so, start with McKinnon Dorland, and, and like you said, I mean, the Packers have a pretty good track record of finding some underrated gems in, in the secondary. Of course, Sam Shields is probably the most notable one, yeah. but uh, Dor- Dorland was a, a big school talent uh, who transferred to Northern Iowa for his last year, tested really well during the pre-draft process, so I totally yeah. agree with you, he's someone to keep an eye on, and, and then Jerome Allison, I, I think the thing that intrigued me with him for the Packers, even though they have all these wide receivers, they only got other guy on the roster like him, is probably Devontae Adams. Uh, And Mm. Toronto Allison, he's not the most explosive guy. He doesn't have great speed. He's not going to separate. But uh, I think where he could give the Packers some value or contribute is is in the red zone, as a guy who can go up and and win those jump balls. Because other than Devontae Adams, I don't know if they have anybody else like that. So if he makes the team, I think that's what uh, uh, he'd offer them. But the last question I want to ask you on this class before we get into the grades, Paul, is we talked about how... This class, it was somewhat predictable by Packers standards where they kind of addressed the areas we thought they would. Do you think Ted Thompson was more worried about need with this draft class than usual, or do you think the board just fell in such a way that, hey, we happen to find the good players at the positions where we needed help? Or do you think he kind of prioritized, hey, we really got to hit that defensive front seven come hard come hell or high water this year? Because it seemed like they they played it more by need than value than they have in the past. Yeah, I
1: got you. You know what, Scott? I don't. That, that last option you had, you know, where you felt he absolutely had to an earmark. I don't think I would say. I don't think Ted Thompson ever goes that far in trying to fill needs. But by the same token, it can't all be the luck that certain players just happened to fall where they wanted them to. Um, I think there was an. Uh, more so than a need draft, I would say something we touched on early quite often. I think Ted Thompson, clearly in this draft, the most obvious thing to me was he had one eye on today's needs, but he had another eye on the future roster. Um, you know, Maybe more so than, than ever. I think a lot of these picks, early especially, had to do with where are we going to be what are we going to have to have next year? And that sounds crazy to people, but, you know, when you're a consistently winning program, in my opinion, you do need to think that way because you know darn well you're going to lose guys every year because other teams are watching yours and they like, they like your athletes. So uh, I, I don't want to say he was need-driven, and I think, I think a chip, you know, an indication to that was he was need-driven overall looking at his roster, but I thought it was very interesting. He doesn't sign very many veteran free agents. And often when he does, you wonder how did he pick that guy. I think it's not too hard to figure out why the one free agent he signed was Jared Cook, because they knew they needed somebody to plug that position today. Two years from now is going to be too late, and so it. It I think it's just been a very interesting off season period for the Green Bay Packers.
0: Well, and of course the draft is the lifeblood of the Packers organization under Ted Thompson. So they're not going to go out and spend a lot of money in free agency, and they're willing to let some of their own guys walk because they think ahead and they they get in house replacements ready. Uh, so let's let's talk about final grades here. And for me, it, it's a I went with a grade of B for, for the Packers. And I guess what held me back from going a little higher is just because I don't know if they got anybody with dynamic potential. I really like Spriggs. That was their favorite – my favorite pick of theirs by far. I really like the Spriggs pick. But uh, Kenny Clark, I wasn't high as high in him as some. Uh, Fackrell – I think there's potential there, and he went into a good situation where he's going to have an opportunity, but there's some question marks. Blake Martinez, I just don't know if they got impact difference makers, but this was kind of a meat and potatoes draft for the Packers where uh, they went out and, and they filled holes. I, and As I talked about, I think more, they were a little bit more focused on need than they generally are, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think the, the goal of the NFL draft is to find that perfect balance between talent and need, and, and I think as he usually does, Ted Thompson did a really good job of that with this class. Uh, bringing in players where at areas where they needed help but but taking those players in the proper ranges. I don't think there's a single player that you can look at and say, "Oh, they took him two rounds too early." And by the same token, I don't think there's a guy you can say, "Oh, they took him way later than he should have been available." They got everybody across the board basically in the general range where they are expected to to be selected. So, a real solid effort mm. for the Packers and and it, it's probably not going to show it the, pay the true dividends uh, until two, three years down the road. Uh, mm-hmm. But as we talked about I think I think as many as Four starters within the next year or two And for a contender like Green Bay to get Potentially four starters In a draft class uh, That's uh, that's far more Than I think even Ted Thompson could could Hope for or expect in a draft Right, right, I agree with you uh, Probably because I'm a Homer at heart Scott,
1: I, I would, you know, I don't do Grades, but, you know, I know That that's important, I think it was a B-plus draft, um, and I guess I'm throwing the plus in there, and this is cheating, but to me it's not because I like to talk about the draft process, and that includes mm-hmm. the undrafted rookie free agents. So sure. I, think, I think these seven guys we talked about primarily would be your B, and I'll give them the plus because I see three to five guys as usual that they have signed after the fact as part of the process that I think are going to be in there and end up on the roster. And a couple of them are actually, you know, by before the season's over, they're going to be out on the field contributing. And that's about all you can ask. I, I'd be shocked. I didn't give anybody an A. So, you know, I guess I'm saying I think the Packers did as well as anybody that I saw out there. And as you well know, you have to take into account that they come into the situation Picking twenty seventh, roughly in every round, so yep. 26, you know twenty six other teams get a shot to pick off your glamour guys, and then you're left you know you're you're there with leftovers, and I think they did this year especially, what I've talked to you off the air about your beloved Vikings and my arch enemy the Vikings, but I still like them, <laughs> um, value at the pick, and that is indeed what the Packers got this year, not as many reaches as I think Ted has made in some recent drafts.
0: Well, beloved Vikings might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think they're definitely getting pretty exciting here in Minnesota with the Vikings and the the young talent they put together and the new stadium they're building. Uh, But, but no, I I agree. The Packers did a really good job. And last question for you, before we close out here as a Packers fan, what was your favorite pick? What, What pick did you like the most personally?
1: Actually, I just pure pick. I would say I was delighted with Dean Lowry at 130 at at pick 137. Um, I think, like you though, if I'm looking at it and saying like it from a standpoint of potential, I was most pleased when Jason Spriggs was the guy they traded up to draft.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to stand by that. I think a few years from now, we're going to look back and say Spriggs is one of the top value picks in the entire 2016 NFL Draft, regardless of position, regardless of team. I, I think that's just a great fit all around. So, uh, Pigskin Paul, before I let you go, I want to make sure to let everybody know that they can read your stuff at Great Blue North Draft Report, GBNReport.com. Uh, I can follow you on Twitter, at Pigskin uh, Paul. Paul Gilmet, thanks so much for coming on, as always. We appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Scott. It's always a pleasure to be with you, my friend.
0: Take care. All right, we'll talk to you soon. And with that, I'm going to put a bow on the Green Bay Packers in the 2016 NFL Draft. But don't despair because, as always, the next NFL Draft is less than a year away. Tick tock.